Hello, Tent Talk listeners. This is Chris Marchand jumping on here to let you know about an episode we've made available to our Patreon subscribers and supporters. We're calling it God, Guns, and America. And it's a conversation about gun culture in America, what we do about the about gun laws, and the state of violence in that country. This was a conversation between Natasha Beckles, myself, and Sean McCoy. Sean brings his own expertise as a veteran and someone who was fully immersed in gun culture for most of his life. We hope that you find our conversation interesting and it's something that you can take back and think about regarding your own community, whether you live in America or not. The full episode is going to be on Patreon for our subscribers, but we're offering a brief preview here. You can check out the show notes for our Patreon page or go directly to patreon.com slash tent theology. Thanks for listening. You know, America has a situation where a lot of black bodies, to put it bluntly, end up at the wrong end of that Second Amendment. And, you know, it it, it, it befuddles me that um, we, you, we're continuing to have this conversation about what you're doing around guns. And, and I think, it, you know, there's been so much social media around it, but it breaks my heart equally. I was listening to, I think, uh, some Republican, Lauren Boebert, claims Jesus didn't have enough AR-15s to keep him, his government from killing him. And at that point, I, I'm like, where is the Christian church saying that this is a person effectively holding the Bible upside down and presenting it in a way, you know, so I, there's, there's two aspects of this. This constitutional right has not worked for certain people in America for a very long time. And what is, where is the church on actually, evangelical church particularly, on what the Bible actually says about these things? I'm befuddled. Help me. Help me. Well, Anybody want to kick off? Yeah, yeah, I would. It's, it's, this is going to sound odd. But when you're, when you're in that mode, when you're in that frame of mind where you're thinking like she is, it's, it's a, it's a product of control and being almost in, in, in a way been given this authority and dominion that you, it becomes so inherent in what you've done, and then the, because it's been skewed. And if you look at it historically in our country, specifically in the United States talking about African-Americans, the black experience, slavery, people that were not in the, in the mainstream of our country. And we have to admit this, and this is something that we're struggling with as a country right now as an identity, where we, it's very, very difficult, let me give it a metaphor, to realize, and, and I had this revelation, when you take the helmet off and you realize you're one of the stormtroopers on the Death Star, part of the empire, and, you were, and you've been told your whole life that you were the hero. We have an incredible hero, com- we have a massive hero complex in our country. We have been, ta- I've been taught since the day I was born that we saved, you know, Europe, not only once, but twice, that we defeated the Nazis, the greatest enemy and evil that has ever existed in the history of mankind. Uh, I think it, it's a, an exaggeration, but it's, not, but it does have merit. And so when you, and when you live off of that, and that becomes part of your lore and your culture and your legend and your purpose, and you can point to something and say, we went in there and fought and did that. We didn't use love and grace to defeat the Nazis. We didn't use compassion and understanding and community to, to embrace the Japanese empire to get them out of Asia. It took death and destruction and violence. And it took all of those things to make that happen. 
And so from that, there comes a price that you have to pay in order to be able to continue that and continue to have people do that. And then there becomes an economic part of it as well. It becomes part of, it becomes socioeconomic as well in terms of how you, this, this pseudo empire that we've had in the United States for the last 70 or 80 years after the, you know, after World War II, we became the world's, you know, big brother deciding what everybody was going to do and how they were going to do it. Uh, and the torch was passed, if you will. It, and so to be able to create a community and an environment and a culture that can support that, it then embodies itself into everything that we do, whether it's business, how we run our families. And so this idea of the lady that's saying that about the R15s, that that's what Jesus needed. It, it, this may sound odd. She's not, she's not connecting with the, the real, the, the story, the core story of what would Jesus, the irony that, and you're right, it's, it's such a contrast that you're like, how do you not see that? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't play, it, it's almost impossible to be honest with you, for me to be able to, to have, to contrete, create that control over a group of people one way or the other, whether it's, it's, it's voluntary or not, or necessary or not, for me to have the, the ability to do that. Uh, it reminds me of a story I heard a guy that was a, a Navy SEAL that I knew told this story when they were, um, they'd gone down to Tijuana, which is just south of San Diego, and they had gotten into a big, it was always a thing to go down there and get drunk and, get, you know, get in fights and do all this kind of stuff. And these are, these are guys, and they they got the better of some guys, caused some ruckus, and had gotten up the chain of command. And the story goes that he told us the captain comes out in front of this entire group of Navy SEALs. This is elite command, like this is the elite of the elite kind of stuff, almost, but it's close. And the captain, all he said was, "Well, tigers don't drink milk," and then he walked away. And that's what he said. And so there's a, so that that to me is kind of a microcosm of the problem. You can't ask a tiger to do what a tiger does and then expect them to drink milk and be kind about it. It just becomes embodied in all that you do. And then it becomes justified. And then it becomes part of who you are to where when I gave away, when I gave away, I, I got rid of my last handguns and my impetus for my, my kind of transition or my conflict was on Christmas day when my wife bought me a handgun. It was a Glock 43. It's a single stack nine millimeter that's used for concealed carry. It is a, it is the, you know, prototypical concealed handgun that you want because it's easy and it's small and it's and it's effective. And I had been looking at carrying, getting a concealed handgun license. I don't even remember the impetus why. It just be kind of it's kind of this noise around you that you hear. It's almost like what's important is that you drive this kind of car. What's important it's this indirect message you hear around you that tells you this is what you should do and how you should do it. This is how you should live. Well, you know, I got a family with kids, and what are you gonna what are you gonna do when the boogeyman jumps in the door? What are you gonna do when when somebody comes in to rape your, your, your daughters and your wife, what are, you, what are you gonna do in that situation? I've heard that story since I was born. I, would, I can remember my dad having combat action shotguns over the top of our door frame of him telling me how to, the proper methodology to use in a knife fight. I can remember him, these are the stuff that you're taught and, 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 grow, and grow up with. It's embedded in all that you do in terms of how you do, because it's this fear. It really is fear. It's this disconnect that you can trust when we say, when you trust in God to bring it back in that sense, trust is going to be okay. Jesus is like, you know, when he tells Peter, don't get mad at the Roman soldier for cutting off my ear. It's going to, be, that was the, that's the reality. It's, no, no, we have to fight. We have to counter this. And he's saying no. And he admonishes him for that. So how do you take that example up against, you know, well, we got to, we got to get more people with guns in schools to keep the kids safe so when the people come with guns to shoot them we can shoot them first that's where we're going with it because we just disconnect the idea that the problem is why does that person want to walk into that school and shoot it we haven't asked that question because if we do 
It's going to require us to look inward and not outward at the problem.